0: Okay, like I said, I really don't think I should even be preaching now. I think Brandy took care of that a few minutes ago uh, with her beautiful words. And of course, as always, the music always preaches the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so good to be able to be here and worship with you guys tonight. My name is David, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Refuge Church. Now, as we continue the series, Emails from Paul... I believe Brian and Nicole, they set me up pretty well to talk about with you tonight what I believe is probably one of the most important letters that Paul has written, and that's Romans. But before we get to the why, the what, and the what now about this letter, I want to tell you a story. Last year, I got to go on what I would say the trip of a lifetime with my husband. We went to Spain and Italy for two weeks. And we got to see places that I've never seen before. This was the first time that I was even able to go out of the country. We went to see some of his family members. I got to meet them. We saw Barcelona. We saw Malaga. We saw Seville, Spain. We saw Los Palacios. And we saw Rome. The night before we were to fly from Barcelona to Rome... I ate for the very first time shrimp ceviche, and it was so delicious that I decided to take a picture of it, and that's what I ate. It was awesome until the next morning because there was something on that shrimp ceviche that did not like me at all. I got severe food poisoning from that shrimp ceviche to what I will never eat shrimp ceviche Again, So let's just say that waiting at the airport in Barcelona, the plane ride from Barcelona to Rome were not pleasant ones at all. I was literally green. And Adrian kept looking at me. He was like, you don't look good. And I was like, I don't feel good. And then we landed in Rome. And guys, when I say things went from bad to worse, they went from bad to worse. Adrian's cousin picked us up from the airport. Now we had a blast in Rome finally, but not until all this happened, okay? Now Adrian's entire family, they knew just how bad his cousin drives, okay? But did he tell me just how bad she drives? Nope. Not only that, but I had to get in the back seat of her car, to which she drives a two door Fiat. If you don't know what a Fiat is, it's a Hot Wheels car. That's it. It's, it's such a small back seat. You know, Adrian's a pretty big guy, so he wouldn't be able to fit back there. So here I was, and the Fiat doesn't have a trunk. So here I was with luggage and myself with food poisoning. And then we commenced from the airport to downtown Rome. And guys, when I say that there are no traffic laws in the city of Rome, it's no joke. It is like the Hunger Games behind the wheel of a car. Everybody is out for themselves. And here I am with food poisoning. Now, I need to make note of this too. Although Adrian's cousin is a very, very beautiful woman, homegirl can only see out of one eye anyway. So that made things even worse. So while I should have been excited to be seeing this city for the very first time, let's just say I missed most of the point when we first got there because of what I was dealing with. But there we are. We had a great time after that went through my system. Now I say all of that to say this. That's how I believe many Christians read the book of Romans. They miss the point altogether. And that's why I've titled tonight's message, You're Missing the Point. This letter has been used more as a weapon against the gay community and has been taken out of context by so many people rather than it being used for what Paul intended it to be used for, and that's for peace, unity, and love. This does this every time. Stop talking. Now, you, have, you guys know I grew up Southern Baptist, and I also went to a Southern Baptist seminary. So not only has the book of Romans been used to condemn people, but it was ingrained in us as a Baptist that you had to memorize the Romans road. If you know what that is. If you don't, well, basically, it's a set of verses out of Romans to help lead people to Jesus. That's not a bad thing. I mean, I can tell you all of those scriptures right now, but I'm not going to go there. But Paul was not writing this book to initially lead people to Jesus. Paul was writing this book to Christians, to both the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. Now, I have to be honest with you. Preparing this message has been probably one of the hardest messages I've ever prepared for in all of my years in ministry. Romans is probably the most significant letter that Paul has written and probably one of the most influential New Testament books. Anybody who wants to work in the church or do Christian, can you get this? sit on it or something (laughs) so if anybody wants to do christian theology you have to tackle the book of romans it's long and it can be hard to understand and hard to read so for me to prepare a 25 minute if you're lucky sermon to summarize this letter it's been a beast to tackle Then I told Brian and Nicole just how hard this thing has been to summarize in one message. And then Brian added, well, one of my friends preached on the book of Romans and it took him an entire year. I was like, thanks, Brian. I get 25 minutes. Makes me feel even better. So to say that I've written this message and torn it up several times would be an understatement. So with that being said, I'm just going to step out of the way and let Jesus take control. Now, I want to try to put this in perspective in order for us to relate Paul's letters to us today. Most of you know that I'm a retired school principal. I've been an educator for over 21 years. Now, imagine me sitting down to write an email to a first-year school principal, giving them wisdom and instruction on how to run a school, an entire school. School giving them guiding guidance on that now, imagine someone a hundred years later opening my email in China, needing some guidance on how to run a school. First, this person would have to translate that email into their language. second it 's a hundred years after I wrote it. So much has changed in the world so much has changed in the school system and their culture is different from my culture now the overarching emphasis here is that the purpose of my email hadn't changed the purpose of my email was to help another principal the emphasis of my email was on educating students and running a school now let's apply that to paul's letter it's been thousands of years after the book of Romans was written and then added to the canon, which we refer to as the Bible now. So much has changed in the world today, but the overarching emphasis of his letters has not changed a bit. The purpose of his letters has not changed, and that is it all points back to Jesus. It has to. The Bible is God's word, yes, and it all points back to Jesus from front to back. So let's dive a little bit deeper into Romans for a little bit. The church in Paul's time were not like churches today. Churches were house churches. And Rome consisted of at least five house churches at the time. Now this gave those people, and it would range from uh, attendance from 40 to 100 probably in these house churches. Now, this gave those who attended the opportunity to not only listen to a sermon, but to also ask questions and even explore deeper what these letters and sermons meant to each person. Does it sound familiar? Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore and restore their faith in Jesus and his church. When Paul sent his letters to the cities, he sent someone to deliver the letters to the house churches. And most often, that person would read that letter out loud to each house church. Now, the cool thing is, and they would also answer questions that they would have. The cool thing is about the book of Romans is that Paul sent a woman named Phoebe to deliver the letter and read it out loud. Every time I hear the name Phoebe, it just reminds me of friends. And I told Adrian I was going to put Phoebe's uh, picture from friends on here. And he was like, no, she's dumb on the show. Don't do that. I was like, okay. Uh, And then he commends Phoebe at the end of Romans and calls her sister and a servant of the church. In Romans 16, 1 through 2, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. I'm not going to try to pronounce that word. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. And help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Paul calls her sister. Why is this so important? Rome was a city of privilege and power. Within that privilege and power, you had the has and the have nots, the the rich versus the poor. Also included with that privilege and power, you had racism, you had sexism. So what Paul does here is he is deconstructing this idea of privilege and power by calling Phoebe sister. Paul frequently uses the terms brother and sister when he talks about fellow believers, mainly to show that this is a family of believers marked with love, harmony, and forgiveness of one another. Paul calling Phoebe's sister is showing the Romans that there is a new social reality coming to the house churches. Instead of one's identity to be determined by social status, wealth, military status, power, privilege, gender. Now he's saying that through Christ's death and resurrection, your identity and status is found in him within his family. Christ levels the playing field here. So tell me again why women can't be ministers and pastors today? Hmm. So as we continue this message tonight, I want you to picture Phoebe, not from friends, going from house church to house church, reading this powerful letter to the Roman Christians and even answering questions and leading discussions about Paul's letter. So before we get to the what, let's look at what the book of Romans is not. To hear most Christian Bible teachers today, the book of Romans is all about how God hates gay people. Christians should support the police state and join the military. We are all wretched sinners who can't escape our sin nature and the formula for how do we get saved, the Romans wrote. To which I can hear Paul say to the churches today, you're missing the point of my letter. So let's begin by addressing the elephant in the room because most of us who've grown up in church— know what Romans 1 says. Romans 1, the end of Romans, could be considered a clobber passage. So Romans 1 is not, now you can disagree with me, and that's fine. Romans 1 is not a condemnation of gay people. We aren't going into a deep dive into this because Nicole did that last week, but I do think that it's important to mention briefly. I have heard people preach and teach on this passage to condemn my marriage and my love to my husband and i have done years and years of a deep dive into these passages and done my research and translated it from greek and translated it from hebrew and i've had to defend my marriage to so many people and it's exhausting This letter, like all of Paul's letters, is addressed to a specific context and a particular set of people during a specific time. What Paul does in the first chapter is he set up those in the church in Rome so he can reveal their own judgmental nature to them in chapter 2. What he wanted to do in Romans 1 was to expose the anti Gentile prejudice that the Jewish Christians had against the Gentile Christians. When you do the research and look at the original language it was written in and who it was written to, Paul begins Romans by addressing the Jewish Christians first. He taps into their deep prejudice against the Gentile Christians by using what they call a discourse. That's when he would get the Jewish Christians all fired up because he would get he would start preaching a sermon that they would fully agree with because the Jewish Christians were still abiding by the Jewish laws. And so Paul was leaning into that. And when they were going, yeah, amen, Paul preach it. We're with you. Preach it, brother. Because Jewish Christians found it culturally offensive if anyone was engaged in non-procreative sex. So Paul's point wasn't that the Gentiles were unnatural sinners, but that the judgmental attitudes that the Jewish Christians had against the Gentile Christians was what was tearing these two people apart. So he starts out by stoking the fires of condemnation in the hearts and the minds of the Jewish Christians against those people. And then he flips it on its head and drops this bomb on them in chapter 2. He says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? The entire point Paul wants to make here is that we should not condemn others, but recognize our own failures and even repent of our own tendency To pass judgment on people we consider an abomination. So, whenever Christians use Romans 1 to attack any community, they are guilty of the very thing Paul is writing to expose. And then Paul goes further and drops the mic in Romans chapter 8 after he begins Romans 1 through 7 discussing some deep theological stuff to the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians about not judging and not condemning each other. Then he drops the mic in Romans chapter one, which is one of my favorite verses. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a mic drop. Now, we can look at Romans and we can look at the fact that it's broken down, it can be broken down into three major units. Like I said a second ago, Romans 1 through 8 it deals with more deep theological stuff for the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. Romans 9 through 11 is more of a narrative that talks about the story and the history of Israel. In Romans 12 through 16, he talks about how to live the Christian life. When reading Romans, like I said, you have to look at why Paul wrote that letter in the first place. Then we can understand why he started out the letter the way he did in Romans 1. The Christians in Rome had become very fractured and split. The fracture came in those two camps the Jewish Christians and the gentile christians he wrote this letter because they were always at each other's throats they judged one another they condemned one another because of what they did or did not do the jewish christians abided by the jewish law the gentile christians were saying i'm we're not under the law jesus has set us free from the law so they were always bickering back and forth so what was paul's mission in writing this letter to preach the Gospel he says this in Romans one fifteen through seventeen so I' am eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews and the Greeks. for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. As I mentioned earlier, Paul was writing this letter to those who were already Christians. So why does he say he's writing the letter to preach the gospel? If it's not good news, it's not the gospel. Remember that? When Paul says that he's preaching the gospel, his gospel preaching is not just to gain new converts, but instead it's to help show Christians how to live by faith in Jesus. Because the aim of redemption is transformation of our hearts and our lives. A lived life of faith that takes our entire lives to learn. And we will never have it perfected, this side of heaven. Paul says this in Romans chapter 11, and I love how the message interprets it. Paul says, have you ever come on anything quite like this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom? It is way over our heads. We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask for advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, yes. And then Paul shows what this transformed life looks like in Romans 12. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So let's recap. Why did Paul write Romans? He wanted peace in unity between the fractured churches. He wanted to bring reconciliation to the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. He wanted to bring them together. And then I think the entire book of Romans can be summarized in Romans 12, 9 through 21. And I believe this is Paul's message for the church today. He says in Romans 12, 9 through 21, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply Practice playing second fiddle. That means don't put yourself first. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Boy, that's hard for me. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get in a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. This is what it's about, what it means to live the Christian life. It's about community. Community is the new emphasis that Paul is trying to reveal to the Romans This is how the gospel is supposed to work in our daily life among God's people. You see, these verses aren't really that difficult to understand. But they are difficult to try to live. That's because it's about relationships. How many of you know that some relationships can be challenging? Especially reaching across the aisles to other churches who believe differently than we do can be a challenge. I mean, to be transparent, I have a really difficult time with that myself. I have a really difficult time reaching across the aisle to somebody who is standing behind the pulpit of a church saying that because of who I love, I need to be executed. I have a really difficult time doing that. But if I extend the grace of God to that person, what they do with that grace of God is on them, not me. The only thing Paul asks us to do is try. Because it's easier to love the idea of the church than real people in a real church. And these instructions were probably not only hard for the house churches in Rome, but they are difficult for us today. Why? Why? Because Paul's vision was that we as a Christian community were to live in communion with one another. But today we live in an age of rage. It seems like everyone is mad at something. You got political outrage, religious outrage, media outrage, social media outrage. You have outrage everywhere. Anger surrounds us. And Paul is pleading here in Romans 12 that the body of Christ needs to be different. The best shot we, the Church of Jesus Christ, has in giving an attractive witness in today's world is by doing something radically different, and that's loving people. We must not join in this age rage culture. Loving people is the ultimate proof that the gospel is true. Because the need to see the gospel at work is by doing hospitality, generosity, sympathy, Harmony, that's what the gospel does. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us here. And the fact is, if these verses were lived out faithfully, it would radically change our world. Because we're saying, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Here's a glimpse of it. It's not perfect, but it's a glimpse. And we're trying. So what now? Well, as Nicole said last week, and I said it earlier, I think it's important to say again, It all comes back to Jesus. The church has never been more polarized than that it is today. I have seen churches literally split over fighting about the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. There were at least five house churches in Rome when he wrote this letter. Today, it is estimated that there are more than 200 Christian denominations in the United States in more than 45,000 worldwide. Why do you think there are so many? Well, because of disagreements on scripture interpretations. Social and racial prejudice. Social status. I heard someone say that the church hour is the most segregated hour in the entire week. And then I read something this morning that said the church hour now is the most dangerous hour because of how crazy people are today so what now i think we can wrap this up by reading what paul said toward the end of his letter in chapter 14 and boy this is hard he says welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. I think what Paul wants us to know from this letter is that we miss the beauty of Jesus and having that beautiful relationship with him when we focus on our differences rather than our unity in him. The portrait Paul is painting here is really a portrait of Jesus. Jesus loved us to a point that he died for us. And then he conquered death in order for us to have an eternal relationship with us. He has forgiven us. He has placed us into his family. He has given us a new life and the spirit's power to love the family of God and this broken world. And Paul writes to the church saying, because of all of that, we need to honor Jesus with our attitudes and actions with one word, and that's love. Love for Jesus and love for others. Now, I want to close with a video in a minute. And I believe this is a picture that Paul is trying to paint of what his vision for the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be. This is a pastor who dressed up as a homeless man, and he sat outside of his own church. And he wanted to see how his church would respond to him because he looked different and he had a different uh, social status. So he wanted to see what their response. And then I'll come back up and we'll close.
1: closer the person is to us and the less common the struggle the easier it is to love god forbid i find out my wife has 3 months to live i quit my job i quit everything right what if it's just an acquaintance of yours and what if the problem's recurring the more common and further from us How common is homelessness? And how frequently is the homeless person someone dear to us personally? Never. Never. So I took a few moments a couple of weeks ago and camped outside of a couple of our campuses and I wanted to see how we were doing, you know, when it's hardest to love. So how did our church do in the video? I'm going to tell you now. Awesome. I was crying inside that beard. I cannot believe the people in this church. The number of people that prayed with me and brought me food, just watch and see. You're bringing us something to eat this morning. Here's a coffee. A coffee to keep you warm. Let's just pray for you real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, so thankful, Lord, that you brought this man to your church on your day. Lord, we are so blessed that he mm-hmm. is here. Lord, we pray for pour into this man and just bless him. Bless we you. Well, God, I just pray that you would just meet this man. And, Father, that if it would be your will, that you would just have him um, come into our church. But that you would just know the love of Christ. I don't want you to be out here without knowing him, okay?
0: welcome to come inside. We'd love to have you.
1: You right. can come in, <laughs>
0: if you want. That's all.
1: Bye. How are you doing tonight? Doing okay? Would you like to come in and have church with us, and sit with us for church? So, is there like, like people who pray for you, or But I got some water for you. And uh, something more valuable. It's the word of God here. And God bless you. Is there anything I can be praying for for you, sir? Can I pray for you? Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful day. And thank you for my friend here. I just pray that you be with him today. Uh, Give him everything he needs. Provide for him. God, you are our provider. You love us. You care for us. And you love this man right here.
0: Refuge is a safe place for all people. And I know that this church has ministered to so many. We have the food pantry out there. We have the recovery groups that meet weekly in this church. We are a church of misfits that have sought refuge here because some of us aren't safe in other churches. And I've recognized that. This church is a unicorn. And the people in this church have become our family. But when I read the book of Romans, what I've had to do myself is reflect on where it is that I need to be more like the church Paul is talking about. Where do I need to examine my heart? And it's to those people who have knocked me down. Those people in the church that have said that because of who I love, I cannot serve in the ministry again. It is those people who I served years and years in ministry with that have completely blocked me. And it hurts. But I have to look past that. And love them the way that Jesus loved them. And not harbor bitterness or judgment in my own heart. And I think that's the point Paul is trying to make with the book of Romans. It's a portrait of Jesus. I love this church so much and what we stand for. And I'm proud to be one of the pastors here. And it warms my heart to see where this church is going. As the band makes their way up. As we reflect on individually what you feel like God has taught you tonight. I pray that you just examine your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your beautiful word we thank you for what Paul is trying to tell us that we need to be unified in love and and peace, especially in this world today where we see so much hate. So Father, help us each to examine our own hearts and where we may need to extend that part. As we close out this service, I pray that you can continue to speak to our hearts through song.